Hello, Rebels. You're listening to a free audio-only recording of my show, Rebel Roundup. Now, if you like listening to this podcast, then you would love watching it. But in order to watch, you need to be a subscriber to Rebel News Plus. That's what we call our long-format TV-style shows here on The Rebel. Subscribers get access to watching my weekly show, as well as other great TV-style shows, too. It's only $8 a month to subscribe, or you can subscribe annually and get two months free. And just for podcast listeners, you can also save an extra 10% on a new premium membership by using the coupon code PODCAST when you subscribe. Just go to rebelnewsplus.com to become a member. And please leave a five-star review on this podcast and subscribe in iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Those reviews are a great way to support Rebel News without spending a dime. And now, enjoy this free audio-only version of my show. Welcome to Rebel Roundup, ladies and gentlemen, and the rest of you, in which we look back at some of the very best commentaries of the week by your favorite Rebels. I'm your host, David Menzies. Key and Bexy recently checked into one of those COVID quarantine hotels upon returning to Canada from the great state of Florida, and shockers, it was not a good experience. Kian joins us to give us all the nitty-gritty details on what it's like to stay at L'Hotel Justin Trudeau. And while Kean had an awful time at the Calgary property he stayed at, at least he wasn't sexually assaulted, this allegedly happened to a woman staying at a Montreal quarantine hotel. Jerea Humphrey was able to recently interview her. And let's put it this way, folks. If the allegations are indeed true, what this woman experienced was downright shocking, disgraceful, and completely illegal. And letters, we get your letters, we get them every minute of every day, and you had plenty to say about an essential worker returning home to Sudbury, Ontario, from California, for a very important doctor's appointment, and not only did he miss that appointment, he was forced to stay in that rat bag Radisson quarantine hotel in Toronto, and when he left early, he received an almost $4,000 fine from police. Unbelievable. Those are your Rebels, now let's round them up. I don't give a shit. I'm gonna go to a COVID jail, I'm gonna check in. I, I paid for it, it costs an insane amount of money. Uh, if you wanna help with that, uh, it's at nocovidjails.com. I'm gonna go there and see what's happening. I'm gonna go check in, I'm gonna document the whole thing. And what are they gonna say? No, don't come to the hotel, I, I paid for it. I'm going, I'm leaving the airport. We're gonna see what's gonna happen. Hi, just checking in. Sorry? Can I help you? Yes, I have a room. Ian? Yeah. This is the quarantine um, place, right? You will be assisted over here, sir. Yeah, by Omkar. Right. Um, Omkar. Yes? I have some 
can help you out. Is this form for you guys or for the government? Uh, for us. Uh, February 28th, eh? Yep. So I can't go to the hot tub? No. But you get uh, four fresh air breaks. You four fresh air breaks? Yes. Four so fresh air breaks. Uh, just call the front desk and uh, schedule a time with them. Per day? Per day, yeah. Eight zero, I call someone? Yes. Uh, so that you can place an order for the snack and for the dinner for tonight. Okay. And they will also take your order for next day Okay. I'm so sorry, it's a strange situation these days. It's not your fault, it's Justin Trudeau's fault. Thinking he can put Canadians in jails? This is basically jail. Yeah, it sounds like that, but we'll treat you in a Oh, I'm sure, he, I'm sure he will, but uh, I, should, I should be able, allowed to go home, see my partner. And uh, I, I was told that there, the locks had been removed from the doors. Did you hear that? I'm sorry? The locks have been removed from the doors. Locks? Locks, like deadbolts. Not really. So they, it hasn't, that hasn't been the case here? No. Okay. When you enter, one key has to go inside this lock here. Okay. And it stays here for the light. Sure. Okay. Awesome. Thank you. The risks of me being in this hotel are greater, you know, with me being here than if I if I just went home. These hotels should be closed down. And actually, the conservative opposition has called for a suspension of this program. I don't know why they call didn't just call for an abolition of the whole thing because this is a joke. Well, doggy, as Uncle Jed Clampett used to say. Remember how the very idea of COVID-19 jails and quarantine camps used to be dismissed as conspiracy theory stuff? Remember how Ontario MPP Randy Hillier was mocked and laughed at in the legislature for merely raising the idea? Well, barely a few months later, it has all come to fruition. And no one knows that better than our Calgary-based reporter, Kian Bexty. So, Kian, welcome to Rebel Roundup, and so many angles to pursue here, my friend. That staffer said they were going to take really good care of you. So tell us, if you were writing a review regarding this property, how many stars do you give it out of five? I'd give it zero stars out of five <laughs> on account of the fact that my freedoms were confiscated from me for uh, about a day. Well, you know, Kean, that was an unfair question. I should have uh, prefaced, prefaced it by saying you're allowed to give negative numbers too. But anyhow, um, Kean, it was a fascinating report to see you in that hotel doing your uh, daily dispatches. Here in the big picture scheme of things, this is what has me scratching my head. This month, we're approaching the one-year anniversary of all the lockdowns that we endured in Canada. And what I don't understand is, why wasn't there this due diligence of shutting down international air travel a year ago from the COVID hotspots around the world? That's what Taiwan did instead of shutting down their whole economy. Why did it take the Justin Trudeau Liberals almost 12 months to put this plan into action? Justin Trudeau has been behind the eight ball throughout this entire pandemic. Um, right right from the get-go, Justin Trudeau's advisors and bureaucrats were telling us one thing, uh, and and then two months later, they come back with completely polar opposite 180 advice. Um, and and it, 
whether it's you know his advisors telling him uh, one thing and then changing the tune a little bit later or whether it's just pure incompetence at the very top it's not clear but the only thing we can see right now uh and and looking back and of course you know we we we've seen since since the get-go that this has all just been almost a show you know we 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 haven't learned anything it seems and and secondly there's just there, there's just massive frustration with the government when it comes to anyone who has to deal with them for for any reason when it comes to the the pandemic and most especially when it comes uh, to these quarantine jails. You know, I think you nailed it, uh, Kian, when you said just a show. That's what we're really talking about here, isn't it? It's the optics. It's the Justin Trudeau liberals uh, doing political street theater, showing the Canadian public, you see how much we care about your safety. You see the extent we're going to quarantine this virus. And there's probably some people there saying, yeah, people shouldn't be traveling anyways, but there are people returning to Canada for cancer treatment appointments. There are people returning uh, to Canada after they had to bury their father or mother uh, off, uh, overseas. The point I'm getting at is there is indeed essential travel, and yet they're almost being made martyrs by this grotesque political street theater we see playing out. Who cares why they were traveling? I, 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 get, I take like, and I'm sure you agree. It, you know, there's there's people that are traveling for extremely sympathetic reasons. They're going to go see their dying brother in San Francisco or they're attending the funeral of their mother or, you know, whatever it is. But that, you know, that's just the sympathetic cases we have. You know, they anyone has a right to travel and people uh, saying otherwise, people who are butthurt and supporting the government uh, in this pers- in, in this in this way and about this issue, they're just mad that either A, they don't have the the courage to do anything that the government doesn't tell them to do and holds their hand through, or B, they couldn't afford to travel and go on vacation with their family. That's that's basically what we're dealing with, right? Either these super sympathetic cases or people who are going on vacation and living their lives. People are just envious and jealous and lame losers, frankly, if they if they are targeting these people and think that they are, you know, somehow to blame for anything at all, right? Like they, they're not. The the evidence shows that people, A, either aren't bringing back COVID or the people that are and traveling are essential travelers who are exempt from this anyways. And that's the vast majority of travelers anyway. So, so saying, so, so focusing in on these people who are either going on vacation, good for them, or going to go see their dying mom, uh, who, 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 how do these people sleep at night? You know, like it's none of their business. No, absolutely, Keen. And I, I would say that, you know, we've learned so much in the past year, haven't we? I mean, I look at my streeters at Pearson Inter- International Airport from a year ago. I was going there with gloves on, uh, mask, goggles, because, you know, this was really serious. They were shutting down the whole economy. It was almost like this was Ebola we were dealing with. We know now that's not the truth. We know there is a very selective demographic that dies from this virus and uh, you know so we've got all this knowledge which first of all would suggest that's when the international travel should have been clamped down a year ago but to your point you're right who cares where you're traveling now because of what we do know about this virus uh, during the Christmas time break, MLAs, MPs, MPPs, they were buggering off to the Caribbean, to Hawaii. So obviously they know that this is not danger. Why would they put their uh, friends, colleagues and family members in jeopardy by, uh, by going abroad if they thought that was, they were going to be a, a super spreader upon their return? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I've, I've said this before. I, I have 
you know, I'm, I think I'm a good example of this. I've traveled internationally twice. I've been on about a hundred flights on a hundred different planes since the pandemic started. I've been in a crowd of a million people with not a single person wearing a mask. I've washed straight through it, beelined it through it actually at the uh, Washington um, day on, on uh, January 6th. I've, I've been, I've interviewed hundreds of people and I've not gotten sick. Uh, traveling doesn't just make you sick. It doesn't make you a risk even, I don't think. Uh, the, the, it's just, it's fear-mongering, it's scapegoat politics. Uh, and that's the exact kind of politics that Justin Trudeau tries to virtue signal that he opposes, right? But when it comes to this group of people who are traveling or seeing their parents or going on vacation, for some reason it's okay to scapegoat them and make an entire country uh, feel like they somehow are being hurt either, you know, physically or, or financially through the country state needing to stay locked down, um, that somehow the responsibility for that lies at the hands and feet of these people who are traveling. Obviously that's not the case, but Justin Trudeau needs desperately someone to blame outside of his own incompetence. Yeah. You know, uh, Kian, um, just like yourself for the past year, I've been going to anti-lockdown protests. I've been going to long-term care facilities. I've been, uh, going to, uh, protests where there's large crowds of unmasked people. So technically I should be dead right now, <laughs> but wrap up question, my friend. Um, this is being done for political reasons, not public safety reasons. We, we know that's the truth. My question to you, Kian, is that at the end of the day, when it comes to these quarantine hotels, is this a political win or a political loss for the Justin Trudeau Liberals? This is a huge, uh, huge blow to Trudeau. And I think it's, it's a blow in a way that uh, he hasn't typically seen uh, when it comes to SNC Lavalin or the We Scam. Those people who were sharing those stories and who were upset by it were people who were already upset with Justin Trudeau and already knew that he was a corrupt um, insider politician. The people who were upset about this travel ban and this hotel scam uh, are his are his base. You know, I I'll refer to a tweet by uh, Amanda. Alarvo or whatever her name is. She's this liberal party pundit, like the, the definition of a liberal party hack, taking to Twitter to talk about how embarrassing Justin Trudeau is uh, and how embarrassing this, this policy is, this scheme is. Um, that's his base. His base are people who travel, the, you know, these elites who, who go on vacation all the time. Th that's his base. And additionally, uh, the people who are, are returning and going into these COVID hotels are people typically who have dual citizenship and family in another country. And you know what that means? It's typically people from uh, immigrants, basically, uh, which of course are Justin Trudeau's base. If you look at that video of people say, telling those hotel staff that they're not animals and they deserve lunch and they deserve food, that was all minorities. And that is a huge amount of people who formerly would have voted Justin Trudeau without a second thought. But now that Justin Trudeau is getting between them and their family, getting between th them and their freedom, Justin Trudeau is going to have to answer at the polls for this. You know, I hope you're right, Kim. but as we've seen in the past with the numerous scandals, blackface, Gropegate, SNC-Lavalin, this guy seems to be made of Teflon when it comes to anything sticking to him, but time will tell, I suppose, in the next federal election. Uh, Ken, great to see you back at home and out of that horrible hotel, and thanks for weighing in regarding your experience. No problem. Thanks, David. And that was Kian Bexty in Calgary. Keep it here, folks. More of Rebel Roundup to come right after this.
why don't you tell us what happened when things got even more scarier for you and uh, you're saying somebody entered your room? Yeah, that was the following day. Um, I had opened my door. I did not walk out of my door. Uh, I opened my door to peek to get some attention for the bottle of water that I had asked for since yesterday and then like a couple of hours before the situation, um, the incident. And uh, there, were, there was no one, no one there except this guy across me waiting outside his door as well. Like he was at the mm. door as well. Just looked like a normal guy my age, you know. Um, just talk, started talking about coronavirus. I said, were you here against your own will? Where do you come from? You know, like, are you positive? Did you test, you know, things mm-hmm. like that. And that's when um, he kind of switched the conversation to like, oh, it sucks. Like, let's, each, let's keep each other company, come into my room. And then uh, obviously mm-hmm. I refused. At first it wasn't like so serious. And I was like, haha, you know, I have a boyfriend. Like we can't do that anyways, you know, like yeah, this, that. And then um, I think the conversation just continued for like a little bit. I tried to change the subject. Mm-hmm. And he kind of just like let go of his door, which closes automatically. Right. And it takes him like two steps to get into my room. Oh, wow. So he kind of just like my door was already open. Right. It was like leaning on me kind of thing. So he kind of just like pushed it. I moved a little bit out of the way and um, he just walked into my room. Um, the door automatically closed behind him. I did not say, hey, enter my room and close the door. No, mm-hmm. it's a it's a hotel door. It closes once it pushed, you know, and I moved. So he made himself at home, um, then just started like touching me, asking me, like cornering me in the bathroom, had pulled out a condom, had asked me to uh, sleep with him many times and pretty much begging me, um, telling me he hasn't had sexual intercourse in a really long time, which had, does not, anyways, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, finally, I, I, I like kind of like moved him to get out of the bathroom and um I like I kept repeating myself you need to get out and that's when I started videotaping because he was not getting out and I was scared and I didn't know what to do so I started videotaping him secretly so you only kind of get the bottom view but you hear everything mm-hmm. um, he kept telling me like oh yeah uh, come on like just like trying to push me into all this and I doesn't want to leave my room yeah. so that's when I kind of like escorted him to the front mm-hmm. and he wasn't leaving he was behind me and he's like, uh, I'll leave. Like, if you make sure there's no security for like, for me to get in trouble. Right. Mm-hmm. So I said, I'll do as you ask. You know what I'm saying? I open the door. I, I look, whatever. We hear some noise. So I waited two seconds. And then um, when I turned around, he was like, um, oh, I'm already turned on. And he's looking at himself in the mirror, like a psychopath. Oh, I'm, re- I'm already turned on. I have a boner. And then I was like getting more irritated, scared. And okay, I'm like, this needs to, you need to get, you need to get out like now, you know? Wow, what a downright terrifying story. And if these allegations are indeed proven true, then what happened here is both egregious and disgraceful. And it raises a whole new raft of questions regarding how it could have even occurred in the first place. Joining us now for the latest chapter regarding yet another Lotel quarantine and what an ugly chapter it is indeed, is Drea Humphrey. Welcome to Rebel Roundup, Drea. Hi, everyone. So, Drea, before we get into the gist of this story, we had to blur the face of the victim and give her a different name because there's a publication ban on this story. But if the alleged victim is willing to go on camera and be fully identified, why is there a publication ban in the first place? 
You know, that's a really good question. I asked Sarah that and uh, she wasn't sure why as well. She's such a brave woman and she really wanted to get her um, story out to help uh, prevent it from happening to other people. And she's not afraid of uh, showing her face while she does that. So, yeah, it's hard because there's so much going on and you don't know from one province to the next what the rules are, but it seems very um, peculiar to me that that's happening. You know, Dre, I got to tell you, I, I mean, in, in, in the realm of publication bans, it used to be so rare, uh, but now judges seem to be handing them out like uh, candy at Halloween. Um, it, it's inexplicable, especially in a case like this one where the victim, uh, the alleged victim at least, is willing to go forward. But enough about that. Drea, that was a heck of a story she told. Uh, this idea of the doors being, uh, you know, unlockable or non-lockable, whatever the right word is, uh, whoever thought that would be a good idea, especially for, say, a single woman staying in one of these suites? I have no idea. I mean, it's not safe for anyone to stay in a suite with uh, a whole bunch of people um, and they can somehow get into your room if they work there. I mean, that's never been safe. So who who ordered that is such a good question. And we even saw in another report that Yankee just did that it wasn't just her that that was happening with too. There's sometimes there's rooms without locks and all of that. You know, um, Drea, when I went out to one of the Toronto airport hotels and at least uh, I finally got a manager to come on camera, although he really wasn't... Um, that good at pr providing tangible answers. One of my queries was, who's doing the training and, and what kind of training are these security people uh, getting? Because again, if these allegations are true, and we should stress nothing's been proven in a court of law, uh, this would suggest to me that there's not a lot of screening going on. And that's crazy because if you're a Boy Scout leader, if you're a hockey coach, you got to go through some screening. You got to make sure that you pass the criminal background check. And I don't know if that's being done here. I don't know if it is either. And that's something that we're definitely going to have to get to the bottom of for sure. And if anybody has the answers, but they're scared of letting us know, you know, we love whistleblowers. We're happy to work with you and keep you in confidence, so. <laughs> yeah, and you know, the authorities should be given these answers. I mean, I've gone to Public Safety Canada. They deferred my calls to um, the Public Health Agency of Canada. They've never gotten back in touch with me. You phone that 1-800-Quarantine-Hotel line. Drea, I don't know anyone who has ever successfully spoken to a human being there before being disconnected. But I mean, I think, uh, this is enough grist for the mill um, mm -hmm. for uh, the federal government to acquiesce basically to what Michelle Rempel Garner has been saying. Shut yeah. this program down now because this is unacceptable. Sexual assault in the name of mm -hmm. we're protecting you. Healthy and asymptomatic people at that. And yeah, what more do they need to make the right decision? Like who else is going to be hurt because of this? You know, and, and that's a good point, too. And I would suggest as well that I wonder if someone could make a personal safety statement in terms of, especially if you are a, a single woman going to one of these hotels and saying, I'm sorry, based on what I've heard, I don't feel safe here. I can mm -hmm. quarantine for the 14 days at home. 
why am I in this hotel to begin with that doesn't even have locks on the doors? I think that's a valid excuse or, or, or argument to say, I don't want to be here. Yep. Um, actually, I have a report coming up with a woman who did just that. So make sure you guys are subscribed. But again, I mean, Kean in a way did that. He went and then he left. Um, and what happened to her out here in Vancouver was completely a completely different experience than that. So it just seems like nothing is organized. Nothing has been thought through. And, you know, that puts people at risk. Yeah, it is amazing. Um, we're coming up on the one-year anniversary of the lockdowns going into effect. And so they've had almost a year to think about these quarantine hotels. And evidently, for the federal government, that's not enough time. Unbelievable. But, you know, I want to see this next report of yours because what I see, Drea, is uh, the Public Health Agency of Canada using fear and intimidation uh, tactics if you don't go to these hotels. For example, you stand to be fined $1,800 per person per day if you don't go to the hotel. And if you're found to be in breach of the Quarantine Act, you face a penalty of up to 750000 In other words, you're going to lose your house and six months in jail. So this, these are the tactics, the economic mm -hmm. penalization that is probably making people uh, think otherwise of just hopping in an Uber and going home. Well, of course. I mean, it's quite frightening to hear those things. But something that, uh, as a woman, I was taught, I passed that down on to uh, my daughter as well, is if you're being kidnapped, you do everything you can to avoid going to the second location. And I'm sorry, I am not going into some sort of facility. That's, that's how I am. I will fight tooth and nail if I have to fight the fine or what have you and plead my case. I will do that. You know, talk to your lawyer if you're you're thinking of that, but that's how I roll. Yeah, 100%, Drea, we'll wrap it here. And I guess if we ever got uh, Justin Trudeau to weigh in on this, um, I'm just wondering what he would say. Uh, probably something like, well, she experienced it differently. <laughs> mm -hmm. Exactly. <laughs> oh, my like God, what a, what a disgrace. Well, Drea, thank you so much for a great report, and I look forward uh, to your next installment in the days and ahead. I, I just want to add one more thing to uh -huh. follow up on the story of the alleged assault. Uh, we are officially representing Sarah now. So oh. if you are just as upset about what you heard there and you want to make a difference there, please go to nocovidjails.com and donate whatever you can. So that will go directly towards her legal defense or whatever the right term is for that. Wow, that is fantastic, Rhea. Thanks for reminding mm -hmm. us about that. And I can hardly wait to see the follow-up on this story. And mm -hmm. there will be a follow-up, won't there, my friend? There will be. Fantastic. Yeah. Okay, thank you so much, Drea. Bye. And that was Drea Humphrey in Vancouver. Keep it here, folks. More Rebel Roundup to come right after this. David Menzies for Rebel News here in Sudbury, Ontario, and I'm with Terry and Mike Bedard. And folks, Mike, unfortunately, is suffering from cancer. He works in the United States, in California. He returned to Toronto last week. The reason for him coming back to Canada was he had a very important appointment with his doctor regarding his cancer treatment. And if you can imagine, thanks to these cockamamie quarantine rules, Mike was not only prevented 
from going to that medical appointment. He was put in one of those ratty Radisson hotels. Folks, just wait till you hear this story. You work as a lineman in uh, Southern California. Uh, you're unfortunately suffering from cancer. You had to come back to Toronto uh, last week, and this is, I think the timeline was Wednesday. You had uh, completed a COVID test on Saturday, uh, and it turned out negative. And yet, when you arrived, when you landed in Toronto, um, and you were expected to be picked up by your wife to go to a regular hotel, what were you told? Uh, I was told that my test was uh, no longer valid because it was not within the 72 hours. Um, obviously, we either read it wrong or they have to rewrite it, saying that the test has to be done in that 72 hours. So what I did is I did it on Saturday. It took two to three days to get the results. I got the results on Tuesday, and I was on the flight Wednesday morning. So in other words, if you had the test done on Sunday, according to their math, uh, you would have got the results on Wednesday, and then everything would have been okay. So we're talking just the space of one day. Correct. Okay, so... Um, they were taking issue with the test, and uh, because they're not accepting the COVID test, Mike, they're saying to you, now you have to go to one of those lovely government quarantine hotels? Correct. And they, they escorted me there. Uh, there was uh, two people in a, a small van, and they escorted me to that hotel. But before that, they did make me do a COVID test at the airport. Okay, an additional COVID test, and were those, I take it the results weren't immediately available, right? No, they were, they told me 24 to 48 hours, um, and I did not get the results until uh, Saturday 10-ish, and then they tell me it's going to take another 12 to 24 hours to get out, because there's only one quarantine officer on duty mm. to fill out the paperwork. And I take it the hotel you were taken to was the infamous Radisson on 640 Dixon Road? I believe it is. The Radisson is right by a Tim Horton shop. Oh, okay. That's definitely it. And folks, you know this Radisson. Uh, I visited it before. Well, I'm not visiting it, it the actual property because I've already got one trespass ticket. But every Thursday at 4, uh, Patriots show up to try to spring the inmates, I mean the guests, out of this Radisson. Here's some previous footage. <laughs> before you return. So why do you, why are you pointing at me? We live in Canada! We live in a free country! I have just spoken to two people who have proven that they do not have COVID! Why is it possible that they are being held against their will? Well, folks, not only was Mike Bedard held against his will, this essential worker also missed his doctor's appointment to have his cancer treated. But I guess that was for his own safety and well-being too, right? Unbelievable. In any event, you had plenty to say about this man who received zero compassion, but plenty of aggravation and disrespect from government workers and members of law enforcement and all for no good reason. Paul Tompkins writes, thank God we have Rebel News giving us the truth. Well, thank you, sir, but the real person you need to thank is Ezra Levent, the driving force behind this company. Oh, and by the way, the local media outlet, Sudbury.com, they completely botched this story, making it seem like Mike was the bad guy, if you can believe it. <laughs> Neil Kay writes, absolutely disgusting. There should be a massive lawsuit filed against the Liberal government for what they're doing to Canadian citizens. Oh, Neil, 
As sure as the sun sets in the West, those lawsuits are coming, my friend. DVVDC EXYVNU writes, the Quarantine Act, with a stroke of a pen, we lose our rights. Indeed, and the people dishing out this misery tend to be public health officials. In other words, unelected, non-accountable bureaucrats earning high six-figure six salaries. <laughs> One angry Canadian writes, I actually just called Sudbury.com and spoke to a reporter. I asked why they would not tell the whole story and why they didn't check the facts. He said, why would they? They printed what the police stated. I said, and there is always two sides to the story and why they wouldn't check before they printed it. I asked if they were going to print a retraction and he said no. I told them they have screwed this poor fella's life and they have been getting threats. He didn't seem to care. Well, one angry Canadian, I can tell you this. The media release Sudbury.com printed from the Sudbury Police Service was also riddled with inaccuracies. Talk about the blind leading the blind. And Michael Jimenez writes, quote, It's okay, sir, you will miss your cancer treatment, but at least you will not infect anyone, end quote. Signed, Liberal Government of Canada. Yes, Michael, that pretty much nails it when it comes to how the Justin Trudeau Liberals are completely mismanaging this pandemic. Well, that wraps up another, another edition of Rebel Roundup. Thanks so much for joining us. See you next week. And hey, folks, never forget, without risk, there can be no glory. Good night.